Spring of Life Fellowship and its pastor, Joaquin G. Molina, invites you to listen to a message of restoration and strengthening for your life. Be a part of the vision, changing the world. Accessible to us within reach. We know you're here tonight. We know that you're the one that has done this work in us that we would even be here tonight. You first loved us. You called us. You touched our hearts. You convicted us. You gave us a thirst and a hunger for your presence and a desire to draw close to you. We don't even understand. But we recognize this is your work and we pray, oh God, that your word tonight would be a lamp unto our feet that we would know you more, that we would draw closer to you, and we would present not only the rituals of our service to you, Lord, but our lives. For David well said that sacrifice and burnt offerings you did not desire, but you're seeking people whose heart is surrendered to you, and that you would not reject. We pray that your word would be the food that nourishes our spirit so we're alive and well, and that your spirit would reveal all truth and draw us close to you and allow us to know you and to serve you faithfully as a result of what Christ has done for us, O oh God, that his full sacrifice would be properly responded to our reasonable service to worship you body, soul, and spirit so that you would be glorified all the days of our lives. And Father, allow your word to be a good seed planted in hearts tonight that bring forth a harvest of fruitfulness that glorifies your name. And let not your word return void, Lord, but let it be like a double-edged sword that does something in our lives that we could witness that we have experienced your impartation. In Jesus' name we pray, amen and amen. As God created man and you being of that species and kind, he created him for one specific purpose, and that's the word worship. Worship is the declaration of his glory. To be able, through our lives and who we are, to be able to show forth to God how much he is worth. Our worship, a declaration of his glory. What expression can I give with my life? To give God the greatest glory. That's the journey we're on. That is the calling we have. 1 Peter chapter 2 verse 9. He says that he. Having lost our way. Through the work of Christ on the cross. Has delivered us from darkness. And has brought us back to his glorious light. And the reason he did that, the Bible says, is that we might show forth, that we might proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Having been removed from the world where we lost our way, and I don't know about you, but I, w I was giving declarations of worthiness to other things. I remember being... Um, I was still single and I had a job and, and I went out and I bought, 
with much sacrifice, I bought season tickets for the Miami Dolphins. And whenever a God who has called me to worship him sees me worshiping something else, he looks at me and says, um, excuse me, hello. I was like, what? I want to go to the Dolphins. I want to go to every game, and I want to take my fiancé with me. And he says, no, because that's more than 50% of your salary. And you're putting a lot of worth and value on something other than me. So I went to the first game. I went to the second game. And you know the love of God compels you to get right with God. So I sold both of the tickets for the rest of the season because I need God. And I need him to understand that I love him more than anything else in this world. And I want to spend my time with him. I like the Dolphins. still like the Dolphins. But nothing above God. No thing above God. He's a jealous God. And he wants our best. And so that is worship. We're called to that from the beginning. He created man and fashioned him with that purpose. And to enjoy intimacy, to connect with God. And I want, to, I want to ask you, why would you think that God created man and called him to this thing we know as worship? Does anybody know? Why? And at the forefront of that answer is because God enjoys our worship. We were created to give him what brings him pleasure, what pleases him, in other words. And so worship from us to give God the glory because he enjoys it. Everything we are, everything we'll ever be, will be decided on the character and the quality, the condition of our worship. Psalm 24, verse 5. He says, they will receive blessing from the Lord. The Lord will... Bring to pass what he has for his people. He shall receive blessing from the Lord. Who are these people that are going to receive blessing from the Lord? Remember the, the caliber and the, the affinity of everything we are is based on our worship. And he says, they will receive blessings from the Lord. The judgments of God's favor will fall upon them. Verse 6. These people who seek you and worship in your presence, O God of Jacob. The open heavens are towards those whose life is a declaration to God be the glory. To this thing, Lord, let this glorify you. Let this show people your greatness, your goodness. These are the people who live in receptive mode of the favor of God. Christ being our example, he came to show us what it was to worship God. In John chapter 4, he runs across a Samaritan woman and he, he makes a divine appointment with her. He could have told her anything. He could have told her how to fix her life. He could have told her a, a million things. And he directs his comments to the heart of God saying, Woman, if you only knew what God was after, if you only knew what the Father is seeking. This is John chapter 4 and verse 23. 
The hour is coming and now is when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For the Father is seeking such to worship him. This is way after God created man. Jesus comes on the scene and he says, it's all about my Father seeking those who have the capacity to learn how to worship. David was one of these men. We enjoy the Psalms. Jesus Christ is coming and telling this woman that that God is seeking those who will worship the Father. I've said this many times. I will say it again. The Father is seeking such to worship him. Prokuneos is the Greek word that is used in that particular verse. It's a Greek word that speaks about something coming forth, a hand kissing the hand that comes forth. And the great expression is this. this is a, you're telling God, thank you, because your hand is open and extended towards my life. A recognition of that reality. The Bible scholars and even the rabbis and those who have studied this verse, it's a weird word, uh, prokuneos, is not used often. They said the best we can do to describe this word is a dog that licks the hand of his master. That's the closest they could get to, to explaining the significance and depth of that word. You had to have a dog to understand that meaning. I've had a dog. And you get home and you're like, stop. And he'll leak you 150 times before you even come to the door. Because he's saying, thank you for being my master. Thank you for giving me food every day. Thank you for water. Thank you for the expressions of allowing me to live in your house. Thank you for your warmth. Thank you for your embrace. I mean, this dog is like. And that's the closest that could come to these Bible scholars to explain what it is to worship God. And walking in this mindset, he says, for if this is a reality in your life, there will be a water that springs up. It says it in verse 14. Whoever drinks of this water that I shall give him will never thirst again. The water that I will give him will become a fountain of water springing up into everlasting life. Everything that we are becomes an expression of this life of worship, enjoying the favor of God at every turn. We're stripped at every turn because we have turned to worship other things. We worship cars, we worship clothes, we worship fashions, we worship musicians. We worship all sorts of situations. But Christ had it right in John 8, 29 when he says, He who sent me is with me and he's not left me alone. For my every expression is to do what pleases him. Again, worship the declaration of God getting the greatest glory. When Christ is baptized, he hears from the heavens, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. The acts of his worship were powerful. Um, John the Baptist says, Jesus, you don't have to be baptized by me. He says, you bet. Even though I am the manifest presence of God upon the earth, I am going to do everything that points to giving God what he's asked for. 
I'm going I'm to get baptized. And there we hear the voice from the heavens. So the mark of true worshipers, the mark of a true worshiper is being wholeheartedly and deliberately intentional in pleasing God. All things they do are to please God. They have put themselves aside that they might please God. And so our pursuit is to offer voluntarily, continually what pleases Him. Hebrews 13, 15 is an expression of this. Through Jesus, therefore, let us continually offer to God a sacrifice of praise. I didn't know very much the expressions of tithe and offering. But understanding, and, and why, why we don't understand it in its fullness is because we're destitute of the understanding what it is to offer. But the people of God understood a continually offering up to God that which pleases Him. And so uh, the, the expression that some people have, well, the church is asking me, well, um, the, the, you know, they keep on bringing up that verse. And, and this is just a contention. This is why we purposefully do not pick up money in this church on Sundays. Because I refuse that the worship would be something sensationalized by the pulpit. I want to see the expressions of true worship. And guess what, guys? We have an incredible body of Christ in this house. Amen. An amazing people that don't only just give up their offerings and their tithes, but their time and their talents in an amazing way. And God is well pleased with this house. An expression of gratefulness in all things that blows my mind. And so we see that this is what the Bible talks about. Through Jesus, therefore, let us continually, tell your neighbor continually, not once a year, not once a month, but on an ongoing, Paul says, I'm like a, I'm being, my life is being poured out, a gushing offering of who I am wholly, continually. That's why when people come to ministry in our, in our church, they say, well, what are the times of, of ministry? I'm like, 24-7. All the time, double time, extra time, double, th don't keep track. You go crazy. It's a poured out life. It's not, do I have to be here still? And man, I don't have to preach, so I'm going home. I don't have to teach, I'm going home. I don't have to counsel, I'm going home. That's not, that's not what we're doing here. It's a continually offering to God a sacrifice of appreciation. He says, the fruit of lips that open and profess his name. And then it follows verse 16. He says, never forgetting to do that which is right and to share and to participate with others. And, and some people say, I have nothing to share. Listen to me. Share a smile. Don't be so spendthrift. Glance over at somebody and give them a smile. You will make their day, I can't. Why? I'm thinking about myself right now. Be generous with the expression of, God bless you. Give somebody a smile. I said that in South Africa. The men got really upset. They were looking at me like this. And I said, listen, be generous. Give somebody a smile. They don't need your money. 
Begin to give what you have, a smile. Give some time. Go spend time with someone other than yourself and your family. There are people who have no family. And we need to spend time with them. They're destitute of the riches we enjoy. We can share. We can bring them to our house. We can, the Bible says, do not forget to do that which is right and to share with others. For with such worship, God is pleased. Listen to me. I'm going to share a secret. This is a secret for your, for your life. There's not a time that I have spent with someone that has not been sovereignly and extravagantly rewarded by God in my life. So you say, I don't have time. I, don't have time. I hope they leave already. Listen, God is looking. And he sees the time you don't have. And he sees where you put it. And he from the heaven diligently rewards those who are doing things that please him. If we were living for ourselves, we would not please God in heaven. We have corrupted our worship because we have become man pleasers. 2 Corinthians 5.15 says, He died for all of us. He took the cross for all of us for one reason. So we should stop living for ourselves. He's, he's taken the full charge in his worship dying for us that those who live should no longer live for themselves. See, we were saying we can't serve God because we're too busy. Well, guess what? He died for you so you didn't have to die. And now you don't have to live any longer for yourself. But now you can live for him who died for you and was raised again. Now there's an opportunity for you to, to foster and model his life, which is worship, pleasing to the Father. All throughout scriptures, you'll see examples of, of forms of worship, and people don't even do that. It says, well, oh, get, get past this offering and tithe thing. Go to the next thing. Okay, I'll go to the next thing. Worship in the Bible was the position your body would take. So as they worship God, they would bow down. This, is, this, was, this, was, this was worshiping God. It meant bend at the waist. And if you go to Jerusalem, you'll see the people of God. They're, they're going like this. They're going like this. And this physical expression is one that you have set aside a posture to try and get the attention of your creator. To bow down was one of the words that was used to represent worship. Another one was falling prostrate. That was not bending at the waist. That was throwing yourself on the ground. In Job chapter 20, chapter 1 verse 20. Job chapter 1 verse 20. The Bible says that he fell to the ground and worshipped. To fall prostrate. The best times that I've lived in my Christian life have been in that position. To show God I'm all undone. I have nothing else to offer. I have no strength. I need him. 
about two years ago, I was on the street and somebody offended me in front of my son and I wanted to grab him by the throat and I wanted to express my anger and my sense of righteousness and I said, I I need to go and throw myself at the altar of God. I need to go worship God because I'm about to lose my testimony. And so to fall on the ground is also a manner of worship. In the Bible, there's a verse with regards to kneeling down. And as, as people kneel down, and some people say, no, that's Catholic. No, no, no. That's, that's the word of God. That is being, being able to, to fall on your knees. Psalm 95, verse 6. Come, let us worship and bow down. There's that word, bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord God, our maker. Some guys are really angry with the Catholic church. Don't go on their knees no more because they spent so so much time on their knees. But this is a position of worship. It's great. And I I told this to one of the men here at at the assembly. He says, Pastor, what should I do? I got this problem, and I don't know what to do about it. And, and, And you're a lawyer. You could help me. I said, yeah, I'm a lawyer. I could help you. But... I'm going to give you some good advice. I'm a lawyer and I could help you. If I were you, right now, I'd go to the front and kneel down and talk to God at his altar. And you know what? He was a wise man. And he did. And he, it was Sunday after church, 4 o'clock in the afternoon, nothing was going on. And he just came up and he knelt down. And I said, go talk to God. And the very next day, the impossibility... A phone call came in, and he resolved everything without an attorney. Without the manipulations of of trying to strive on our own behalf. And I said, if I were you, I'd kneel down every week. (laughs) I would talk to God all the time. But we don't. An expression of worship in the Bible is dancing before the Lord. And some people think we can't dance at the church. And in fact, I'll tell you something. That Spring of Life had some glorious services not a long time ago where we danced our feet off. And then a lot of battles came and we just got wore down. And we haven't danced for a while. But I promise you, we'll be dancing on Sunday. (laughs) Absolutely. I believe in dancing before the Lord. Psalm 134, verse 2, it says, raising our hands. Some of you are like, this is your worship, right? When I first got saved, I was like, what? And now we go. But as I started feeling comfortable in the presence of God, I started raising my hands. And then I was a youngster playing basketball. I remember I said, Lord, I spend two hours at practice going like this, straight up and down for basketball. I'm going to do it for you. He's going to raise my hand in your presence forever. I'm not going to get tired. I'm just going to leave him up there. I want to put him down, but man, you deserve it. I want, I want to show you that I love you, that I need you, that my physical position shows the attitude of my heart. Some people don't understand, but if they put a gun up to you, you're going to say, I surrender. And the people who can't do this is because they're not surrendered. They still have something behind their back. They still got something in their pocket. They're still playing games in God's presence. Raising hands to our Lord. There was an old man that had uh, 
um, he was a Bible scholar. His name was Dr. Nunez, and he studied the Hebrew ways. And he says that certain times of the year when the harvest would come in, the Jewish people knew that it wasn't just lifting up their hands, but it was doing a wave offering. It was doing this. And it's a physical position to say, God, all the glory. You see them do the wave at the dolphin, right? At the dolphin stadium. The wave offering is to God. It's not to the dolphins. It's to give God glory and praise in his house. We could do the wave right now. Ready? There you go. God wants to see that amongst his people. He wants to see the spontaneous reactions of people that know God and know what his pleasure is. Opening your mouth is a great part of worship, and a lot of you keep it. Mum is the word. You guys do not express. We were telling the men on Monday that we're to open our mouths wide, and we're open our mouth loud. And while people are cursing and people are driven by profanity, we will shout the praises of the God who saved us. We will sing to him in mighty ways. Clapping our hands, for those of you that don't like to clap and think it's irreverent in Psalm 47, verse 1. Oh, clap your hands, all ye peoples. And it's together with shout to God with the voice of triumph. This is what was to be heard amongst God's people. In the old days, they used to find gold. They used to say, Eureka! You shout the praises of God whose mercy has come upon your life. When I first became a Christian, there was a little old lady that sat at the back, and she, her name was Gladys, and she would go, Hallelujah! I was like, what's wrong with her? And she was so loud. I found out she was a single mother, and God was faithful with her every day of her life. He kept her. He kept her two daughters. And Gladys was a rejoicing. Later on, the Lord moved us to another church, and no one would sing Hallelujah, so I picked up, and I went from there. Shout to my God. I like to hear his praises in the house of God. That our kids might say, what happened to the pastor? He was yelling. Oh, he loves God. Alejandro does that, right? Picked it up, two years old. He sings, hallelujah, amen. His father's like, what are you doing to my son? I don't know. He has a relationship with God. Go figure. He knows God. Ephesians 5.19, speaking to each other in psalms, hymns, spiritual songs, making a melody in your heart, having an expression. I love this, this one particular verse that I found in Psalm 33 verse 1. It says, those who just stand straight up. Rejoice in the Lord, O you righteous, for praise from the upright is beautiful. Those are the just stand. God knows your heart. And he sees you standing for him. And God is looking at this through his people. Amos chapter 5 verse 21. He says, how I hate when you guys come together to celebrate. How I hate that you guys think that having church has to do with coming together. I despise your celebrations. We're, ce we're celebrating the Lord's table today. And I do not savor your sacred assemblies. When you guys gather, there is nothing coming up. There's just like, God, if you would only, and God, if I would only, and God, if she would only. And nothing goes to him by way of worship. 
So I hate this, God says. Verse 22, he says, Though you offer me these offerings and your grain offerings, I will not accept them, nor will I regard your fattened peace offerings. What you're offering up to me. Verse 23, Take away from me the noise of your songs, because I just hear a lot of things that are not consistent with gratefulness. For I will not hear the melody of your stringed instruments. The worship is not coming. Verse 24. But let justice run down like water and righteousness like a mighty stream. I want to see that your worship is consistent with your life. I want to see that your words and your steps are consistent. Otherwise, it has no value. It has no value significance before the Lord. Psalm 27, verse 4, this David that we're talking about who is uh, an incredible, world-changing worshiper, we thank God for his life, his devotion. He says, one thing I ask from the Lord, and this is what I seek, that I might be connected to the house of the Lord all the days of my life so that I can continue to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord and seek him in his temple. I want to be connected to this life of worship. It, you know, some people that come to church have a relationship with God through their wife. Honey, are we going to church tonight? Honey, are you, Brian wants to go to church through their children. Through their necessity. Oh, we're, we're about to die. We got cancer. We got a tumor. We got a problem. That's what that ties them to the house of God. They, they don't have an understanding of God's amazing power and glory. One of the verses that I was seeing was Revelations chapter 4, verse 11, where our understanding is that we get everything we are and everything will ever be from the God who made us. And that is what starts our worship. He says, Thou art worthy, O Lord. The worship from worth. Worship from the value, what it means to have him in my life, him in my family, him in my ways, him in my business. And he says, you are worthy, O Lord, and I want to give you glory, honor, and power, for thou hast created all things, and you created them for thy pleasure. They are and were created for the pleasure of God. Our very existence is, is a manifestation of the worth of God. And when I consider the vast expanse of the universe, is huge. And then when I do what, what happened here in Psalm 139, 13, as David goes to the most minute place of his existence, not the vast universe, not the vast expanse, he says, for you formed my inward parts and you covered me you knitted me in my mother's womb. You put this all together in, in a real amazing place that has, that has really freaked the doctors out. They still don't understand how we were put together inside the womb. They can't figure it out. But there God knitting us and with the whole purpose of our existence greatly to be praised and worshipped. And we start with that understanding in Psalm 100, verse 3. Know, understand, be well informed that the Lord, He is God. 
He is he that made us and not we ourselves. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. His mighty revealed power. His immense creation of all things. He governing all the actions and the intricacies of our existence to show forth his mighty, powerful, and majestic presence. One verse says like this, even when you eat food or drink a glass of water, do it as an expression of glory to God. We'll read that. We'll put that together. It's 1 Corinthians Six twenty. You being purchased for a price were redeemed back to worship God. Therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit which belong to God. This is why all these people that are going crazy in this tattoo stricken generation have decided to mark up the temple of the Holy Spirit. And it's similar to grabbing a spray can and coming in here and just tagging a wall in this place. It's such an expression of disrespect. It's such a, a, an expression of, of ruining the body God prepared for you to glorify his name. Obviously, people that don't know God, like George Carrigal tells me, hey, Pastor, I didn't know better. And my kid said, you know, what was in your thoughts when you were doing this? He says, I was super drunk and super stupid. And I was doing stuff to my body. I had no idea that I was messing it up. So that's gone far gone and far. But for Christians, for people that, that understand, that have given them, like Paul says, my whole body I offer up to you to not glorify the beetles or some some." tattoo parlor, but to glorify our God in heaven. That is the issue. And some people have marked me as too religious. I'm telling you, I don't see it any other way. Because I know one that wants to corrupt our worship. I know one that desires at all extent. In fact, if he would be given his desire, he would have us worshiping him. In Matthew chapter 4, verse 8, Matthew 4, 8, the devil took Jesus to a very high mountain, showed him the splendors of the kingdoms of the world and their glory, the, the amazing, magnificent, preeminent excellence of these, these nations. In verse 9, he said to Jesus, these things all taken together, I'll give you. I mean, he's trying to become the Godhead. He's trying to act like God. God is looking for our worship so he could dispense from heaven endless glories. Today I was asked a question. Um, a person says, well, Pastor, what are you doing in the next couple of months? I said, I want to, I'm, I'm getting prepared to be more faithful to God. Because I know if I'm faithful in the little, God will put me in larger responsibility. So I need to cross my T's and dot my I's and find out where I am not polished. 
And that's what God wants in all of our lives, that we have a progression towards the dispensing of God's glory as we perfect our worship. And so he says, if you worship me, if you bow down, then I will, that's what he's told in verse 9. He said to him, these things all taken together, every single part of this glory, I will give you if you will prostrate yourself before me and worship me. Bow down and worship. And Jesus says, no way, Jose. Or the biblical translation, which is, be gone, Satan. For it is written, you shall worship the Lord your God, and him only shall you serve. So we have expressions of service and bowing down and coming under and giving influence and weight and worth to many things. But we're to direct all that to purify our worship to God. I have a, the example of a man who reads not through his Bible, but through four and five hundred pages worth of science fiction novels. One after another, learning about galactic aliens, powers, force fields, zones. Super corrupt in the application of his time. Not being able to spend time in the presence of God with the word of God. And this is not a modern phenomenon. For in all times, worship has been compromised. And in Joshua 24, 15, Joshua stands before the people and says, Look, if worshiping the Lord seems something that is not very attractive to you, and I've been doing this for years, listen up. I've been giving invitations for people that would rather go and serve and give honor and glory to something else to not be in this place, to not confuse our children. To not confuse the next generation. To not sow disparity and duplicity and double-mindedness. Because the Bible says that the person who's double-minded will receive nothing from the Lord. So I tell people, don't waste your time playing church. Go give yourself fully over to where your heart is. And this is what Joshua was doing there when he said these words. If serving the Lord seems unattractive to you, then choose this day whom you're going to serve and bow down to. If you want to serve the gods of your previous ancestors beyond the Euphrates, the god of the Amorites in the lands you are living. But as for me and my house, we will worship the Lord. We will give our best to the God who has given his best to us. And in that expression, we see the glory of God. He dispenses an amazing... You know what the people said? Verse 16, far be it from us to forsake the Lord to serve other gods. And, and Joshua picked up on something in the following verses. They wanted to make God just one more of their worshiping idols. We haven't forgot about Jehovah, the God who took us out of... But they were worshiping all the other gods at the same time. They had spent their time, their talent, and their treasure bowing down and offering to Baal and to the God of the Amorites. And they said, we haven't forgot about Jehovah. And some of us fear that. But as we, we begin to understand that God is a jealous God, he's not going to allow us. Verse 19, Joshua said to the people, you're not able to serve the Lord God. He's a holy God. He's a jealous God. He will not forgive your rebellion and your sins. He's not going to take mediocrity. 
He's not going to take lukewarmness. He's not going to take that you're splitting up your time and your worship for other things. He says, seek first the kingdom of God. Pursue him as excellence. In Malachi, he tells the people, try and do for your employer what you do for God at the house of God. Try and get late to work. Try and leave early to work. How many have ever been fired? I've been fired. Take that attitude and get the heck out of here. That's what they'll tell you in corporate America. And you come to a place that's more excellence, worthy of more precision, and you're, you're walking around like if you're hanging out in some enclosed, abandoned lot. And so what we make of the place of our worship is the place it becomes. There is no investment here. So where your treasure is, there your heart is too. And guess who follows after you? Does anybody know? Say your children. Your children will go bow down and worship and spend their time at the place where you take them with incredible accuracy. You're never late to a movie theater. You're never late to a ball game. You're never, you're never in a hurry when you get to some theme park. Oh, hurry up. we got to leave early. It's not going to happen. But it happens in the house of God. Hey, let's get out of here. Let's get out of here. What's, what's going on? Is there a fire at church? No, no, no. We just locked that space. We've already been here an hour. And so when your kids are older, you never even see them in church. Because children will worship the God of their fathers whether it be mammon or whether it be enterprise. God is speaking to us tonight. And I praise his name tonight for his goodness in our lives. That we might, and, and I'm included in this whole thing, make this a body of worship for his glory. When Jesus came, he said those words in Matthew 5.23. If you're going to the house of God and you're, you have something you're going to offer to him at the altar... And you there first remember that you need to reconcile. You need to fix things. Leave your gift there in the front of the altar. And first go and fix what's out of order. Go go fix things that do not allow you to worship accurately. I praise God for, for people that I've seen in the last couple of uh, months here. They say, Pastor, you know something? If I'm going to do this right, I have, to, I have to get rid of all the stuff that has my attention. I have, to, I have to lay down my hobbies and my favorite scenarios, and I need to give God what God is asking for. And I'll tell you, in a season in my life, I had a boat, I had horses, I, had, I enjoyed ranches. And guess what? God says, okay, time is over. I need you. I need you to get super connected to what's going on. And so you'll see God calling you to that. Genesis chapter 22, verse 5, we see a man, he brings the best he has. The Lord asks for his son. Do not be amazed what God is asking you for. Don't look at me like if God's going to not ask you for what you know he's going to ask you. That thing which is the most precious, that thing which is the most precise, that thing which is most valued. Abraham said to his young man, stay here with the donkey. The lad and I will go yonder and worship and we will come back. 
What was God asking this man to worship with? Anybody know? With his son. Give me your son. And your son might be a lot of precious things in your life. And one of the things that is the biggest setback in our ability to worship is not a son that we have to give because God gave his son. God gave us his best. Now we have no, we have no excuses. But God is asking for our cluttered schedules. How many have cluttered schedules? Cluttered. And we say we can't worship God because we don't have time. I look at people all the time. I say, man, you're really tempting the Lord. Because God could give you a lot of time. You want God to give you time? I'll give you a lot of time. You'll be waiting for somebody to come and push your wheelchair. You'll have so much time. Because God is a jealous God. And I just told somebody this week, I could see you going to jail for a little while because God loves you. And it's not because you do anything wrong. It's just to show you how much God wants you to spend time with you. He'll put you behind bars. And so Luke chapter 10 verse 38, it happened that when he entered a village, there was a certain woman named Martha and welcomed into her house. And she had a sister named Mary who sat at Jesus' feet and heard his words. She was prostrate. She was mesmerized by the goodness of Christ. And Martha, so distracted with so much clutter, she approached the Lord and says, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me all busy by myself? Tell her to help me. Tell her to get busy. And Jesus answered and said, Martha, Martha, you are so overwhelmed by so much clutter. Only one thing is needed. And Mary is sitting there taking part. And this will not be taken away from her. I, I don't know what it is about worship. I, I really think that there is some type of exponential time zone where when you come in and invest that time in pure, holy, faithful, diligent worship, God is just throwing bombs of flourishing expression and, and abundance. He's an abundant God. He's a, he's a master of, of being able to to multiply and to make things fruitful. But those of us that are concerned in Matthew 13, 22, with the worries of this life and the deceitfulness of wealth, choke our worship, making it unfruitful. Find out where the lack, I've been saying this for many years, don't know to what expression people do this. He who received the word amongst thorn, amongst the worries, amongst the pressures of life and cares of this world and the deceitfulness of riches that are promising to flourish and make you fruitful and multiply, they choke your worship and make you unfruitful. They choke, they choke the effects of what God wants to do in our lives and make us totally barren, make us totally without the expression of the flourishing that worship promises. Psalm 22, you could do this for homework. When's the last time pastor gave you homework? Psalm 22, David's life of worship. He says, Lord, you're my safety and I take refuge in you. I want to be right with God and wrong. Listen to me. Right with God and wrong with everything else because he's faithful. And we have decided to be right with everything and be unfaithful to God 
and we see the expressions of no promise. So he says, God, you are my refuge. You are my safe place. I say to the Lord, you are my Lord. Apart from you, I have nothing good in this earth. Could you, I want you to underline that, please. Psalm 22.2. That's going to be a good one. 2.2.2. Apart from God, nothing good's going to come of it. I, I, I've seen the last 10 years here in this church, in this building, Parents that have said, well, I can't bring my child to midweek service. He needs to sleep. You know what? Now he has the perpetual sleep. He's left church even on Sunday. He's perpetually gone off the charts in his spiritual walk. Apart from him, we have no education. We have no academic future. I say of the holy people who are in the land, they are noble ones in whom... Is all my delight. Those who run after other gods will suffer more and more. Doesn't that talk about worship to other things? Verse 4. Those who run after other things to worship. I, I have a, somebody told me one day. It says, Pastor, are you telling the future when you're up there doing that stuff? I said, I'm reading the Bible. <laughs> and the Bible says the people that have other interests in other things will suffer more and more. God said it. Verse 5. He says in verse 4, I will not pour out my life to such gods or take their names on my lips. I'm not going to cry out to what other people are crying out to to save them. Lord, you alone are my portion. You are my cup. You make my whole being secure. If if giving God my best draws a little, a little square on the ground, and I can't, this is, this is my boundaries. I'm giving God my best. I don't have extended boundaries, but if, this, if me giving God everything I am allows me to live in an efficiency, that's where I want to be. Let me say that again. There are three amens. If because I'm going to be faithful to God, it causes me to downsize my existence, that's where I want to be. Because that's where his favor, his hand, his fruitfulness, his peace, his joy, his blessing are. I want to be there. I don't want to be anywhere else. It's a nightmare. Lord, you alone are my portion and my cup. You make my lot secure. The boundaries have fallen in pleasant places. Surely... My inheritance is delightful. I will worship God who gives me his secrets at night as he instructs my heart. I keep my eyes always, say always, on the Lord. I'm not a donkey with the proverbial carrot in front of my nose going, I'll be right back, Lord. And this carrot will never be yours. And it's, it's going to be like the bull chasing that red cloth. You're not going to fare well. In due season. I will praise the Lord. I keep my eyes on the Lord always with him at my right hand. He's my strength. If I prosper, it's because of his goodness. I will not be shaken. Therefore, my heart is glad and my tongue rejoices. My body doesn't need any pills. I don't need anything because of the stress and the anxiety and the hardship and all the stuff I'm suffering because I'm not in his presence. But in his presence, it says, is fullness of joy. Because you will not abandon me to 
keel over and die and come to nothing, nor will you let your faithful ones see destruction, decay, cancer. You may know to me, you make known to me the path of life. You will fill me with your joy in your presence and with pleasures as your right hand continues to be extended to our family. Listen to me. I praise God. I worship him. I love him. I want to be faithful to him. I want to put my things in order because putting your things in order, like the Bible said on Sunday, it shows that we're worshiping him faithfully. My thoughts in order, my words in order, my heart, my attitude, my expressions in order. Let's invite the ushers to come forward so we can prepare to celebrate the Lord's Supper. And I, I thank God that we have the opportunity to share the word tonight as we continue to walk in the expression of being bowed down before him. Offering whatever, you know, the raised hands, the waving of the hands. I don't, you listen to me. I'm not going to think you're doing some back exercises if you come in here. You come in and you just give God what pleases him. Clap your hands. Shout praises to the Lord. Bow down. Kneel at the altar. Don't let anybody steal the recompense, the reward of, of excellent worship. Um, we are severed because our fathers served other gods. And they, they flourished in a pursuit after false gods. And we, being the children didn't see the inheritance of having a grandfather teach us how to worship. Seeing a grandfather teach us how to be faithful to the house of God. We didn't have that. So now we are the ones that will stand up for Jesus and to give him the highest declaration of glory. My next door neighbor who is a son of a pastor, says, Joaquin, I can't worship God because the place where I went was full of con artists. And he said literally like this. He says, this woman here was having an affair with that man back there. That man didn't pay his bills and owed that man money. This guy was lazy. And he went around knowing the condition of people that were not giving praise to God with their lives. And so... That has been part of my heart to make sure that my sons worship in a place where people have a pure heart and have clean hands and are able to witness people giving God their best. Because my, 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 my children are dying. They can't wait to give God their best, to offer God all their glory. I told them, I told them every time they smile, they have to worship God. Because he paid for their orthodontist bill. My wife walked into the orthodontist about four years ago and she says, Honey, I just want to make sure that, you know, what, what it costs and stuff. I said, Well, we can't afford it right now, so let's just see when God provides. And so she went and, and they got their, their teeth checked out. Nicholas was like 13, 14 years old. And on the way out, the doctor said, Hey, you know something? Um, something tells me I'm supposed to donate all this the treatment to your children. And my wife says, why? And he says, yeah. To one? And she says, no, to four. And we didn't understand that for a while. So afterwards, we found out why the Lord's goodness. We were in Mexico about 10 years ago, and I was still practicing law, and there was a little girl who had her teeth messed up. 
And I told the pastor of Mexico, who's with us, by the way, tonight, I told him, hey, take these $500 and go get her teeth fixed. I forgot about it, but God didn't. That was an act of worship on my part, what I offered the Lord. He was giving me abundance in my law practice. And so close to seven years later, five years later, you see God's reward. As we worship him, the heavens are open towards us. And it's only a sign of gratefulness. It's only a sign of the heart of saying, God, thank you, I have a job. Thank you, I have a place of provision. I'm not going to go to Macy's. I'm not going to pay 20% American Express, MasterCard, Visa. I'm not going to go bankrupt and bring reproach and shame on your name. I'm going to be faithful to you. And you will cause me to prosper. You will cause me to flourish. Father, we thank you tonight for this table, which represents your body and your blood. We give you thanks for this gift, oh God, that we're to celebrate every time upon the remembrance of what you did on the cross that your blood was poured out it's a pleasing sacrifice and your body was broken that we might be united and that as we celebrate this in a manner which is worthy we will have the healing we will have the unity we will have the life that you promised and we celebrate this until you're coming as you've instructed us in your word and make this table a blessing to us tonight make this table the catalyst of your favor upon us this coming month for we pray in Jesus name amen and amen as the ushers pass out the bread and the wine the Bible says that we're to reflect and we're to inspect and make sure that your relationship with God is right. If not, repent. Ask God for forgiveness. Make sure your relationship with the body of Christ is right, your brother, sister in Christ. And get things right so that you can enjoy the blessings of this table. For some have partaken in an unworthy fashion and brought judgment upon themselves. Some are sick, some are weak, and some have even died spiritually for not discerning the body and the blood of Christ. So just as the ushers pass it out, we'll sing a song and then we'll all partake together.
Right, for I received from the Lord that which I delivered unto you. That the Lord Jesus, in the night which he was betrayed, he took bread, and as he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. This do in remembrance of me. In like manner, he also took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. This do as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Wherefore, whosoever shall eat the bread or drink the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner shall be guilty of the body and the blood of the Lord. So let each man prove himself. And so let him eat of the bread and drink of the cup. For he that eateth and drinketh, eateth eateth and drinketh judgment unto himself. Because he does not discern the body. For this cause many among you are weak and sick. And not a few have fallen asleep. But if we discerned ourselves, we would not be judged. But when we are judged, we are disciplined or chastened of the Lord, that we may not be condemned with the world. Wherefore, my brethren, when you come together to eat, wait for one another. 
And if any man is hungry, let him eat at home. That your coming together be not unto judgment. And the rest I will set in order whensoever I come. Father, once again, we give you thanks for drawing us close to you. Thank you for washing away our sins. Thank you for the transformation as you make us whole. Thank you that we acknowledge your sovereign, extravagant love. And though discipline seems harsh for a moment, it brings forth a harvest of peace, prosperity, and righteousness. We partake of the bread, acknowledging you as our source for all things. You may partake of the bread. Lord, the blood-drenched cross that saw the pouring out of your blood. As people witnessed, they had no clue. But you saw us, Lord, this day. And for the joy set before you, you endured the cross. We thank you, O God. And no devil in hell can tell us that the blood of Jesus does not wash and cleanse. For it is the perfect sacrifice for all time. For those that have been tarnished with sin. Because this blood washes us white as snow. So we confess our worst. We confess our sins before you, O God, and ask you forgiveness. And that the cleansing tide of your blood would make us white as snow so that we can serve you with a clean conscience and the full strength of a pure heart, not because of our purity, but because of the blood of Christ. And we bless this cup, O oh God, in Jesus' name we pray. You may partake of the blood.
cup. This stand tonight, I want to make a correction. We were talking about Psalm 22. The homework is Psalm 16, okay? Because that was the wrong Psalm. So it's not 22 2. Um, I can do nothing without you is Psalm 16 2. Could do nothing at all. And what a glorious day it's going to be as this house continues to press forward, perfecting its worship. And I promise you that I'll do my best to keep people that are playing games out of this place. And, and I'll ask them to go find another place to play a circus and to corrupt God's goodness with a desire for things that are not from the Lord. And so you too, the Bible says, encourage one another as we see the day of the Lord approaching that we might give God our best so that we're without reproach. The Bible says, being found blameless. And that's the promise of the work of God's spirit and his word and the grace that's upon our lives. Because we were, we're nothing like what we used to be, but we're not anything like what we're going to be. Philippians 1.6, one of our favorite verses, he who began the good work will finish it. And we, we know he's going to do it. This is not our striving. This is his his work in our lives. So let's move in that direction. Go and greet one another in the love of the Lord. And the cafeteria is open and there's a good meal back there if you want to have some fellowship. Otherwise, see you Friday night or Sunday. God bless you.